This morning's gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we pray that we might find ways to leap for joy. All these things we pray. Amen. If we spent any time in Mark, we would certainly not find very much mention of joy. Mark was the first gospel written and likely used by all the other gospel writers as a reference. But Mark was first, and his writing is just straight to the point. By the ninth verse in chapter 1, in the entire book of Mark, by the ninth verse, Jesus is standing in the Jordan River with John being baptized. There is no mention of an inn, there is no mention of a census, there is no mention of animals, there is no mention of shepherds, there is no mention of a bright shining light in the darkness, there is not even the mention of a birth story. It seems like Mark had no time to spare, and so he simply got straight to the point. Unfortunately, we can get like that too, especially during Advent. Peace, hope, joy, come on, hurry it up. We've all got things to do, fudge to make, cookies to bake, Hershey kisses to unwrap, checks mixed to hoard, beef logs to slice, and cheese ball to spread. Oh, and there's this whole shopping thing that we have to take care of, too. How easy it is for us to tolerate this chitty chat about peace and hope and joy, and next week we'll talk about love. Just so long as we get to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, because that's really what we've been focused on. And I've got to ask, how many of you have thought about the week or two past Christmas? I have. I mean, the kids have to go back to school sometime. With all the planning and hustling and bustling, it's easy for us to blow right through Advent and completely fail to really, really experience the peace and hope and joy that these Advent candles represent. But Luke... Luke almost demands us to slow down and be joyful. 
Joy is everywhere in Luke, and the first mention of it is in chapter 1, verse 14, when the angel appears to Mary and Zechariah and tell them that they would be expecting a son. It says that you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And then a few verses after that, in verse 44, Mary and Elizabeth meet, and in the womb... John leapt for joy. There are certainly moments in our lives that are filled with joy too. Just within the past month, it was joyful to have family gather, to be thankful for the blessings that God has given us and continues to give us. In a week and a half, most of us will have our hearts joy-filled in anticipation of gathering with family yet again, only this time to unwrap presents and have a good time with each other. When I was younger, I remember this kind of joy. Christmas Eve was filled with family and food, and even Santa would make an appearance and we would all get a gift to unwrap Then Christmas Day came, and it was more of the same. Family, food, presents. But within a few hours, after unwrapping the last Christmas gift, and when the dishes had all been washed and put away, and we were headed home from my grandmother's house, there was this feeling like there was something amiss. It was all over, and the joy of the day had gone with it. I sort of felt empty, let down. It was all over. My childhood experience of Christmas was an almost joy. An almost joy is something We produce. It's an environment conducive for joy to be felt, but it doesn't last. The empty feeling that comes after the joy means that it was an almost joy. In my young, unexperienced brain, I had tied the wonderful sensations of joy to the wrong parts of Christmas, to the temporary parts of Christmas. Can you think back in your own experiences, Christmas or otherwise, any time throughout the year, when you saw a glimpse of joy, but shortly after felt like something was missing, or you felt empty, and almost joy. And altogether joy is a gift that cannot be purchased or planned, or manipulated, or expected even. And altogether, joy is a gift that we receive by God's grace, and it stays with us long after the people have left, and the boxes sit mangled, having been played with, and the toys sit all alone on the floor. A dear friend of mine described his joy as an experience that entered straight into his heart, and he didn't know why, but he just felt like rejoicing. The entire time he was describing this, 
he was smiling and he was so excited and happy. He had described an altogether joy. Christ in the manger is the manifestation of this kind of joy too. God has put on flesh and come to be with us. God is with us and God will always be with us. We sang Emmanuel, God is with us. And altogether joy is an encounter with God's mercy. It's a steadfast assurance that God is with us no matter what. Think about that for a minute. No matter what. God is with us, will travel right along next to us on our journey. And that assurance, the knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with us and he has fulfilled his promise, is joyful. An everlasting joy and all together joy. And we have to hang on to that. It's important for us to remember because there have been and will be times when joy seems so far away. Have you ever thought about joy in the midst of the personal trials you've been through? I haven't. But it's through the pain and brokenness that we really arrive at a deep and personal understanding of altogether joy. Because in those moments we lean into and on Jesus for strength and comfort and endurance. Joy doesn't mask or take the pain away, and pain won't take our joy away either. They have to mingle together. For a while, and because an altogether joy is a steadfast assurance, the pain, the brokenness, the anguish, the worry, the bitterness, all of those things that we experience in life will help us recognize that God has been with us all along and even carried us through it. And that brings us joy, an altogether joy. Our lesson from Luke is a good example of the enduring presence of joy. In this passage, Jesus is telling his disciples that lots of bad things will happen, all because they have decided to follow Jesus. People will hate you, exclude you, revile you, make fun of you, defame you. When that happens, rejoice and leap for joy. For surely your reward will be in heaven. I don't know about you, but leaping for joy because someone hates me for being a Christian has never crossed my mind. But because we know that Jesus conquered hate with love, we can rise above those who hate us and enter into relationships that we know are filled with love. Recognizing hate means that we can recognize love. And recognizing love and entering into those kinds of relationships are joy-filled. John Wesley was really good at describing things by describing what they are not. 
He wrote a sermon called The Character of a Methodist. And for several paragraphs, have any of you read his sermons? They're pages long. I don't know how congregations sat through them. I could barely sit through reading it. The character of a Methodist. And for several paragraphs, he described that a Methodist is not someone who uses special language or dresses differently than everyone else or boils religion down into a single cause. A Methodist is, I love this, a Methodist is someone who has the love of God shed abroad in their heart. Shed abroad in their heart. That's so powerful. And for several more paragraphs, Wesley described a Methodist as quite simply a Christian. If done right, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference between a Christian and a Methodist. Altogether, joy is similar. Altogether, joy is difficult, if not impossible, to describe. But once you know that you've experienced it, it's simply divine. A gift from the divine that is so divine. And altogether joy comes when we can get out of the way and let God do God's things in us and through us and in our community and in our church and in our world. If we let ourselves soak in this profound relationship God has not only created but desires, and altogether joy will certainly fill you up. Experiencing an altogether joy and experiencing God are one and the same. My experience of joy at Christmas has changed over the years. I still don't do as good a job as I'd like, but giving gifts I would rather much do than receive. That brings me joy. Altogether, joy comes in thinking about my family and friends and offering them a gift that might actually mean something to them and being with them when they open it up. Taking the time to, to find the right gift and then giving that to them is an altogether joy for me because it reminds me that God has already given those relationships to me and those are my gift. A God-given gift to me. And altogether joy is the receiving of this gift by God to us in our relationships just because. And altogether joy comes from God in the gift that we know as Jesus Christ. And altogether joy enters straight into my heart and causes me to slow down and soak it all in. And just rejoice because. God has given you the same gift. 
Won't you open it up this Advent season and cherish it? Let it cause you to slow down, to soak it up, and then reach out to those around you so that they also might know an altogether joy. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we pray that in us you would plant an altogether joy, a joy that goes beyond description, but we know it's joy because it causes us to rejoice without warning. We aren't expecting it, we aren't creating it. Help us recognize, God, that it's just a gift from you to us. Help us recognize that this gift is Jesus Christ, our altogether joy. And it's in his name that we pray all of these things and all God's people said, amen.